Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Welcome, all you listeners out there in listening land to Real Presence Live. We are in Williston, North Dakota today at St. Joseph's Parish. And uh, I hope everybody's traveling safely and carefully out there um, up in the upper Midwest here. We've had a little bit of mix between rain and snow and uh, foots of snow, I think probably the western western edge of Montana and down into South Dakota and some of you over there. And I think uh, Minnesota and North Dakota, we were giving, getting the mild, mild come in mm-hmm. of spring. So, And I'm here with, this is Lori Leffer, and I'm here with... Uh, this is Father Greg Luger. Um, oh, Father Greg, you almost forgot your name this morning. <laughs> no, I put him on the spot there. He didn't know I was going to do that. <laughs> He's awake now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Father, would you um, open us up with a prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this wonderful day and ask that we may rejoice in it and live in your love. We ask that you would abundantly bless our show today and that you would abundantly bless all of our listeners. We also ask you for much-needed moisture in our region, and we pray through the intercession of your Son's Most Holy Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Patrick. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's Amen. the luck of the Irish. Yes. The green. The one day of the year where everybody's Irish, yep. right? <laughs> I didn't bring my, my leprechauns, but... Um, and, and today we have a wonderful guest. Our first guest the, uh, this morning is Monsignor Gregory Schleschelman from over at the Fargo area, but he says he's in Minnesota today. Good morning, Monsignor. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Are you wearing green? I am indeed, yes. You are? Oh, cool. <laughs> Do they make green green collars for you priests that you can, you like... You know, I, <laughs> one of those, he took one of those tab white collars and he just took a, a green felt <laughs> marker and he just... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Perfect. It doesn't really look very good, though. <laughs> Probably doesn't stay on very long, either. <laughs> yeah. I really think Patrick would have a word with me probably uh, probably <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably come down from heaven and <laughs> yeah, literally so monsignor before we get into talking about saint patrick can you share with us and give us just a quick synopsis of how the, is the newman center doing over there well we're doing you know we're moving forward um we're um amidst you know, some we're in a temporary setting. Uh, you know, as you probably know that we're building um, a, a brand new Newman Center, um, brand new church, brand new um, a faith-based housing uh, segment. That w- that's something brand new. We haven't had that before. 
Yeah. So we're in the middle of the construction uh, of that, of all of that. And so we have a temporary um, building where we're using for our Newman activities and, and ministry. Um, it has been it has been a, a challenge to uh, to connect as well and as thoroughly as we u- usually are able to do given mm-hmm. COVID. But um, we've been able to to do a number of things, and so I'm happy for that. And, Good. Uh, how how long do you think it would be before we get to use the? Um, uh, is it co- going to be called a church or a cathedral? No, no, it'll be a church. No, cathedral church. would be the bishop's seat. So it's, okay. it'll it'll just be you know Saint 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 Paul's Church. Um, okay, but it it it'll be next year. Um, you know, next I'm thinking academic years here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know exactly when we're. You know, it's not sure. It's probably going to be in the brand. You know, after the new year, though, my guess. Is. Okay. But well, I, I know people are very excited for that landmark to yeah. um, come to its full fruition there. So I'm so glad that we have that support in North Dakota. And yes, speaking yeah. speaking of support, St. Patrick, um, getting to him, he he um, he struggled to have support in his life. <laughs> he had yeah. a little bit of a journey. Uh, what do, can you lead us into his life? Because it kind yeah, of started sure. when he was a little kid, right? Yeah. So he was. He, you know, we there. Some things we know for sure. Some things we don't know. You know that, but tradition is kind of handed down. But basically, the story that seems to be the most authentic is that um, he was either born in Wales or Southern Britain, and he was the son of a deacon. And uh, but he was kidnapped by Irish raiders. Um, probably around 15 years old, and he was sold to a chieftain up in the northeast of, of Ireland, um, who mm. actually was a, a Druid high priest. Oh, really? And he yeah. became basically his slave, and he worked as a shepherd um, in the woods, in the mountains, um, you know, undergoing a lot of, uh, you know, trial and tribulation in, in terms of just physical privation, etc. But he says in his Confessio, which is one, the one authentic there's two authentic works that we know he wrote. Um, and in that Confessio, he says, and I just want to read this brief quote. He says, More and more did the love of God and my fear of him and faith increase. My spirit was moved so that in a day I said up to a hundred prayers and in the night a like number. I used to stay out in the forest and on the mountain, and I would wake up before daylight to pray in the snow, in icy coldness, in rain. And I used to feel neither ill nor any slothfulness, because as I now see, the Spirit was burning in me at that time. Wow. And that's his description of what happened to him interiorly when yeah. he was this slave shepherd boy, you know, um, for about six years. And yeah. then he, you know, he learned Gaelic, of course, and, and, and learned about the Irish people, um, but he had a dream that the Lord would uh, free him and... Uh, told him the ship is ready, and after quite a journey to the west of Ireland, he um, embarked upon a ship, was able to return home, um, performed a miracle of, you know, the, the, the sailors that he was traveling with. Mm-hmm. Once they had landed, they, they could not find food, and he, he basically prayed, and a, a herd of swine showed up and allowed them to eat. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about the swine. Well, yeah, he, so he really he really had a um, a life of Elijah first of mm-hmm. all, and yes. and then Jesus 
with with the swine you know yeah. jesus was literally present with him even before he was a priest or an bishop yeah oh he's he was like a 21 year old young man <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was already performing miracles you know wow so, but and, he did live a life of the desert if you will during that time yeah mm-hmm. quite quite the preparation Mm-hmm. Shep- from shepherding and, and being and living with the flock, even in the cold. So, how did he get his? Um, you know, the Irish are known, and Ireland's known for potatoes. How how did he feed when he was out there in his like forty days in the desert? Kind of. Well, he must have. You know, he must have been fed something. You know, in order to keep him working. You know, but but the conditions of being a slave. You know, could not have been, could not have been great. There, there you know, there yeah. must have been significant physical privations, and just also the emotional, even spiritual effect of being a slave. And um, and his master, the tradition holds, was was a very cruel man as well. Yeah. Um, and and being a druid, it, that would make sense. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, it's been a long many years since I read uh, the book about Saint Patrick. In his travels, um, but I remember that he told the people that he was with, like other slaves and people that he lived with, that he would not forget them when mm-hmm. he um, embarked on that ship. That he would be back. Where, where did that ship take him to? Which, which well, it's, it, they think it went. It came to to like northwest France, um, present day northwest France, so the Brittany. Okay. Um, but it's not sure because they apparently traveled with the sailors for quite a number of days with finding nobody, you know, no, just uh-huh. uninhabited. So where exactly they traveled was not super clear. Um, but he finally was able to make it back to to home, only to be enslaved again for a short time. Although that time, that second time, it's not really clear how long that was. Um, but he finally was able to pursue his vocation. He had a dream that. Um, the, he had a dream that, a, that a, a, a figure handed him letters from the Irish, one of which was the voice of the Irish. And he began it, to read it, and he was so moved because it was basically this appeal of the Irish to, uh, to come back to Ireland. And, and when children were saying, oh, holy youth, come back to Erin and walk once more among us. And so he he never forgot that and began his study for the priesthood in France, especially in Southern France, and ultimately would be um, commissioned by the Pope, Pope St. Celestine I, to go go back to Ireland as a missionary um, and to begin the work of evangelization. And that probably happened around the year 432. You know, we're not, the precise date, we're not really sure. Okay. But that's mm-hmm. about the time when he began his mission. Wow. He, the story of St. Patrick is old. And then we always have to get in there, um, the uh, shamrock that he used. Is, is that literally, he literally did use the shamrock, correct? Yeah, it's a very strong tradition that, that he did. Um, you know, it, it's because he, St. Patrick was, you know, when he first got back to Ireland, um, he had to, his method of evangelization was... Um, was twofold, I would say. First of all, he, he recognized that if he was going to get anywhere, he had to have the support, at least minimal, um, tacit support of the, the nobility. 
And so when he when he got back, he actually wanted to go and be reconciled to his former slave master. And uh, he landed down by Wicklow, which is south of Dublin, and proceeded north. Um, had a few, you know, encounters with various and sundry uh, Irish at the, you know, along the way. Yeah. Celebrated his first mass, and then he went to Tara, the hill of Tara, which is um, north and, and east of, of Dublin, which is the the high, it's the the hill uh, of the high kings of Ireland. And a, um, an assembly place, a sacred assembly place for centuries. Yeah, and, and, and we we actually let's try to give a picture of that hill for our listening audience. We we when we think of a hill in North Dakota, it's a small little round, thing. <laughs> we, right. which a hill there is more like a plateau, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and did yeah, it and did it overlook the the waters too? Um, you can't. You can't really. It's far enough inland where you can't see the water. The, okay. The, um, but you you do get a, a masterful view of the whole countryside around. And but the he basically arrived. Um, the story goes um, on Holy Saturday, mm-hmm. and he occupied the hill of Slain, which is across the way from the hill of Tara. And huh? he it was unlawful, so all fires were extinguished on this day. So that the Druids would like the royal fire, kind of welcoming spring. Um, uh, and once that was lit, then all of the other fires could be lit. Well, he lit a Paschal fire on Holy Saturday night on the on this other hill, which, of course, was illegal and drew all kinds of people to him. Um, but he managed to persuade the, the Ardurai, which is the High King, to allow him to, to proceed and... They could not put out his fire anyway. They tried. <laughs> and so on Easter Sunday, he proceeded to the Hill of Tara, and the Druids tried to, um, you know, stop him. They knew he was an enemy uh, in terms of his preaching the gospel, and so they caused darkness to occur, which he was able to dispel by a simple prayer. Um, and essentially, he defeated their authority their spiritual authority over the the Irish, and the High King gave him permission to to begin to preach. Wow, and amazing! That launched him, and he used they, the, the tradition is is that he used the shamrock to explain the you know the basic most you know important truth of our faith, namely the that the Trinity is the source and the the goal, the end of all life, and so he used the shamrock as a way of. Of describing it, and this was something he would do then throughout his mission. He would use the Irish culture, their, their, you know, their imagination, their, their, their customs. He would use the various things that they were very familiar with, and then help them to see, insofar as they were good, what could be, you know, a symbol of or pointing to the the truth of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And he was enormously successful in doing it that way. Yeah, it's it's interesting what you you know that you bring that up, Monsignor, because you know, I mean, you know probably better than I do just how common that is among these many missionaries. Um, both the aspect of you know using things that are common to the culture, retaining what is good, you know, and what is you know consistent with the gospel, and uh, getting rid of you know what is inconsistent. But uh, and I'm also you know very struck by. You know this 
uh, triumph over the local paganism, as we also see in many uh, in many missionaries, where we see um, the real spiritual warfare that's going on there, and the missionaries, you know, really casting the devil out, and um, in, and sometimes in more of a dramatic fashion than we in the modern world would expect. Um, but it's yeah, and at least to me, it's always very uplifting to to hear these kinds of stories about these great missionary saints. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point because it really um, it does entail a significant degree of spiritual warfare. And mm-hmm. St. Patrick was no, um, you know, he was not unafraid to, to to tackle that you know that very challenging. And and the Druid uh, practices were were quite dark. In, in many respects, mm-hmm. um, so they weren't they weren't just simply kind of super light you know lighthearted superstitions. Uh, they, they were serious things that he he and he brought the power of of the gospel, the power of Christ to you know. And he had in his confession, which I think, which is a great you know, it's it's a marvelous thing to read because it shows how deeply humble um, Saint Patrick was, but at the same time how thoroughly confident he was in the power of Christ and how he completely relied on, you know, on this, on this truth that, that Christ saves and he wants to save everyone. And, and basically St. Patrick fell in love with the Irish people. He really, he really wanted them to be freed from the slavery. So it's, 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 it's marvelous how God uses, you know, human events, you know, St. Patrick, yeah. the slave has mm-hmm. come back to the Irish to, Free them from the real slavery, which is the slavery, you know, to sin, the slavery to to darkness, and yeah. to give them the freedom that comes in Christ. And uh, but he was he was uh, indefatigable. You know, his zeal to to pro- proclaim the gospel, to reach out, was was unabashed. He he went to the west of Ireland to, to begin with. He then moved to Ulster, so the west is Connacht, that's the province. Mm-hmm. Then he moved, mm-hmm. we think, to Ulster, which is in the north, then to Meath, which is kind of in the middle, and then finally in the south, in Leinster. And he would he would spend time of of preaching, of establishing uh, Episcopal churches, uh, which had a very unique quality. They were quasi monastic uh, mm. clergy, you know, chapters around the bishop. Um, so monasticism, Irish monasticism, became the norm and the normative way that the local diocesan church actually was experienced. So oh, monasticism wow. largely dominated the, the entire life of, of the church. Hmm. Um, so diocesan clergy, like we think of it today, um, was, was very limited. You know, in and, and, in and so did they have bells in Ireland, too, um, oh, that, sure. that would ring in the countryside? And, and just to give our listening audience a picture of this, so the, the prayers and everything were going on um, within the monastic life, but the, the lay people, the public, would hear the bells and they would come. Yeah. And, and at that mm-hmm. time, they just followed. They didn't necessarily partake. Correct. Well, they they you know I, in terms of how much they uh, they were able to you know actively participate in, for example, in the liturgy like we think of it today, mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not clear, but it is remarkable to what extent uh, the Irish were able to absorb the learning and the uh, the culture, the mindset, uh, the life of the church, to where it became 
for everyone. So clergy and lay, you know, became just interwoven with everything. Where uh, you heard, so for example, so even today in modern Gaelic and modern Irish, you when you say hello, you say deal with, which means God with you. you. Yeah. And then the response is de is moira with, and that means. <laughs> And God and Mary with you. <laughs> no, they don't say hello. No, they just, it's like, God be with you. Um, you know, simple things like that, you know, are indicators of how deeply, you know, impregnated just ordinary daily life was for the average Irishman, you know, and mm. as a, you know, as the fruit of, of this conversion, this massive conversion. Probably within about 25 years, um, all of Ireland was Catholic. It is a remarkable story of conversion. Wow. Largely, the entire island was was converted. Catholic. And all of that within his lifetime. Wow. <laughs> we really need to pray for them, too, because of all of um, that strength that they had, um, that St. Patrick comes and bestows upon them more miracles now today um, as uh, the, the uh, culture of life is... Um, being influenced by the outside forces again over yes, there. Yes, and and St. Patrick, you know, he, he would also, also, I think, it helps us to remember, you know, how his, his method was, was interspersed, his, his active zeal of reaching out to people was also firmly grounded in, in an interior life. So he would often retire to places of solitude. A famous mm-hmm. one is Loderg. Um, another one is Croag Patrick, so a, a, a mountain um, in the west of Ireland that, you know, just has absorbed his name because he would go often to pray there. And in fact, he at, on one occasion, he fasted for 40 days on that mountain, uh, mm-hmm. praying for the Irish, praying, interceding for them. And I think that that's a very important lesson for us is his commitment to prayer, um, not just the activity of evangelization, but to to intercede for others, to pray for others, to ask the Lord to uh, to obtain the grace of conversion, uh, which he did. He prayed for the Irish that you know that they would, and ultimately that they would be able to be preserved in the faith, and that he would be the one to intercede for them. You know, um, yes. And I think that that's a it's a great lesson for us. Uh, and also, you know, to recognize his um, that holiness, that his own personal deep communion with God was what he knew was so necessary for the work that he was doing. Yes. And that he wouldn't, you know, go without that. You know, he wouldn't just kind of do this on his own. But And his confession makes that clear, that he depended completely upon God for mm-hmm. everything that he was doing. Yes, and, and I, I believe he only he only really had one or two sets of clothing that he took with mm-hmm. him he, i mean mm-hmm. he really he really lived that austere life and and um um he considered the whole of the island his parish even though he was he was bishop was he did he just have a region supposedly right but yet he well yeah so he established his see as they call it an episcopal see in in armagh which is in north northeast ireland um but yeah, it, it, I mean, it ne- eventually, you know, as he continued his ministry, he would establish and he ordained other bishops, and mm-hmm. you know, so that they would have their own, their own diocese. Um, but 
but essentially he was like the patriarch of the whole island, you know, yeah. um, in the reality of how he lived and, and how they revered him um, because of what he had brought to them. So, yeah. Well, Monsignor, um, we, if you're just joining us, we have been talking about St. Patrick. It is uh, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. We don't know if you're wearing green, but hey, join <laughs> us and wear green. Um, we're talking with Monsignor Gregory Schleschelman. Um He uh, resides in Fargo, but he's joining us from Minnesota today. Uh, thank you for listening to us all the way over there, everybody. And... Um, uh, Monsignor, we're coming to a close with your segment here. Um, it, the time just flew by. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. You know, if I could add to that, I would encourage the listeners to uh, look up, if they're not already familiar with it, look up and find his, uh, it's called the Breastplate uh, of St. Patrick or oh, the Lorica. Yes, and it's yes. A marvelous prayer that he composed before he landed in Ireland on his way to, to convert them. Yes. And it's a, it's a marvelous prayer. It really is. It's, it's a little bit you know, longer than maybe, you know, other prayers. Absolutely. Right. But it's certainly worth, worth praying. And I would encourage people to pray it. You know, M- Monsign- intercession. Yeah. Monsignor, I was going to actually, um, see if you had, do you have that prayer with you? Do you know? Do I you do. Have I have it right in front of me. Wonderful. Would you close us out with that? Okay. 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 Very good. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I bind me today on the triunal call with faith in the Trinity, unity, God over all. I bind me the might of Christ's birth and baptizing, his death on the cross, his grave, his uprising, his homeward ascent, the power supernal of his coming for judgment eternal. I bind me the might of the seraphim's love, the angel's obedience, the hope of arising to Garden above, the prayers of the fathers, prophetical teachings, the virtue of virgins, apostological preachings, the acts of the true I bind to me too, heaven's dower, sun's brightness, fire's power, snow's whiteness, wind's rushing, lightning's motion, earth's stability, rock's solidity, depths of ocean. I bind me today, God's might to direct me, God's power to protect me, God's wisdom for learning, God's eye for discerning, God's ear for my hearing, God's word for my clearing, God's hand for my cover, God's path to pass over, God's buckler to guard me, God's army to ward me, against snares of the devils, against vices, temptations, against wrong inclinations, against men who plot evils to hurt me anew, a near or afar, with many or few. I have set all these powers around me, against danger and dole, of all the foe powers that would wound me in body and soul, against each incantation by false prophets breathing, against black legislation, the laws of the heathen, against idolatry's wares and heretical snares, against spells of witches, smiths, druids, the whole of that knowledge which blinds the soul. Christ, keep me today against poison and burn, against drowning and wounding until I may earn the garden abounding. Christ near, Christ here, Christ be with me, Christ beneath me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ be over me, Christ before me. 
Christ on the left and the right, Christ hither and thither, Christ in the sight of each eye that shall seek me, Christ in each ear that shall hear, Christ in each mouth that shall speak to me, Christ not the less, in each heart I address. Amen. Amen. St. Patrick, Amen. Pray, pray for us. Father, Wonderful. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, that, that has, shows his strength, his wisdom, his truthfulness, and overall his trust. All those mm-hmm. gifts. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yep. Be a great trust in God. Yep. And the shorter prayer can be found in our missalettes. Um, it's called St. Patrick's Prayer, and it pretty much takes just the end of it. And you ask God, you, you hand over your, the front of you, the, each, of, each of your sides, um, above you, below you, um, where you sleep, where you eat, and etc. Um, wow. Thank you, Monsignor. This was just a wonderful visit with you. Yeah, it was great to be visiting with you. Great yeah. thing to talk about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you, um, Monsignor, and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Okay, God bless. God bless. Well, everybody out there in listening land? Yeah, you know, what, a, what an inspiring example that, uh, that St. Patrick really gives us even today. You know, I think for many people, St. Patrick's Day is, you know, just a day to go out and drink green beer. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or eat green, green caramel rolls. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, I think so often, you know, so many don't even, you know, really realize, you know, who St. Patrick really was, what he really did, and what he was about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we consider, you know, everything that Monsignor shared with us, we see, you know, why the church really celebrates his life and why the, the Irish church in particular uh, celebrates it with such solemnity. Yes. So. Well, come back with us and uh, listen to some more great guests and some more wonderful um, presentations and information from these people to help your St. Patrick's Day. Come back with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.